0: You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Well, happy new year. We are glad that you're here. So, all right, if I can I ask this as we're getting going uh, How many of you, you already started your resolutions on the first? How many? few. How many of you are like, no, I start tomorrow? (laughs) These are my people right here. These are my people. All right, that's good. And it's weird. It's weird because the first fell on a Monday, and some of us weren't quite ready on Monday. And and you can only start new habits on Mondays. That's why you have to wait. Because who are these maniacs out there trying to change their life on a Thursday? I don't know, but it doesn't work. Anyway, but, you know, the thing that we do, and we do this every year, that uh, every time a new year comes around is that we make these resolutions that are complete overreactions to the bad decisions that we made previously. And so, you know, we're we, we do like, I'm going to read a book every week. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to CrossFit every day, and I'm going to become a concert pianist. And uh, And like, hey, those are all good things, but if you went from I don't know how it's going to go if you went from like hours a day on social media to reading 50 books a year, from laying on the couch eating Twinkies to doing CrossFit and eating those disgusting protein bars that everybody swears is good until you bite into one, right? I I don't know. I I had this. So someone said to me, Pastor Bob, you got to try this. This There's a new protein bar. It tastes exactly like an Oreo. I'm like, well, I'll go anywhere for an Oreo, but um, I was like, try it. So I go and bought one. I bought one. Like, you should just buy a box. I'm like, I'm going to buy one. We'll see how this goes. And it was disgusting. It tastes, you know what it tastes like? Exactly like a protein bar, which is disgusting. And then I said to the guy, and I'm like, you said this tasted like an Oreo. It's just, he's like, well, not exactly like an Oreo. I'm like, what? you got to give me that in the front. Anyway, so we aren't friends anymore. Um, but I'll tell you this, you know, a new year is, it's our moment. It's our moment to get a new vision for our lives, to implement some changes so that the end of the year is different than it was in the beginning. And, uh, so, but sometimes it gets a little messed up. Years ago, this is probably going on about 12, 13 years ago, my son, who was playing guitar here earlier, was old, he's almost 15, but he was about a year and a half old at the time. And we were in Orlando going to Disney World. And uh, so I had uh, one night, we were in the hotel. I had given him a bath, put on his PJs. I was brushing his teeth and then uh, I let him hold the toothbrush for a second. I went to say something to my wife, and then um, while I said something to my wife, he stabbed me in the eye with the toothbrush. And um, it was, the bad news is I couldn't see. The good news is my eye was minty fresh after that. And uh, so, but even though I couldn't see, I still felt it was important to drive. And so um, the next morning we get in, and I still can't see, We get in the car, get on I-4, which, by the way, is not really habitable for human life. Uh, But yet, here we are. So we get on I-4, and then we're driving. And I can't can't figure out, like, uh, the the thing about your um, using both eyes is that it gives you perception uh, of, like, depth. And so with I have one eye, so I'm trying to close one eye. And then I asked my wife if I could stop and get an eye patch. She said, no, just why you don't see very many pirates on the road. And so, and and I couldn't tell how far away or how close the cars were until that was like right on top of it, in which that led to some very interesting adventures on the highway and uh, also helped my wife's prayer life immensely while we were driving there. She was praying like crazy, but but we all have this, th- this is the challenge that that all of us have. We have this in life, but just in every new year, right? There's, there's a place we want to get to. Right? You know, marriages want to be happy marriages. We want our kids to do well. We want friends who aren't losers. And, you know, we want a future that's better than the life that we have now. But if our vision isn't what it should be, it can lead to all kinds of problems. And let me give you the bad news first. The bad news is this, is that all of us lacks perfect vision. None of us sees everything crystal clear, that's just unfortunate, but we only see part of how things are because we only, we live right now with the limited perspective of the here and now. And so whether you're young or old, you still suffer from limited perspective. If you're young, well, first congratulations on being young, and, um, but you have all the energy in the world, but you have very little experience. And so that hurts you in your decision making if you don't listen to wise counsel. If you're older, let me tell you, like my my group, the the, the old those of us that are a little older, um, we have experience. But sometimes that experience causes us to think that everything is going to happen. That's going to happen is a repeat of the pr- of the past. But I mean, honestly, can we? Could anyone have predicted the last three years? No. And so, limited perspective isn't. Simply the challenge of being young. Limited perspective is the challenge of being human and living in the real world in real time. And so, but when a person comes to know Jesus and submits themselves to the will of God, the obstructions begin to fade and the haze begins to lift, and we do begin to see things a little more clearly. And maybe that's what 2023 was like. 2023 was like I had plans, I was going to do things, things were going to change, and, and it was going to be better than ever. And then you just got stabbed in the eye with a toothbrush, and you're like, well, we'll just try this again next year. And, uh, and, and maybe that's where it is. But now it is a new year. And we are in the perfect place to talk about change in our series in the book of Acts because it's a new season for the Apostle Paul. He's heading off on a new missionary journey. He's got new relationships that he's forming and new challenges that lie ahead. And so if we, and if we will navigate this new year the way Paul is gonna navigate this new season of life, we are gonna do very well. So we're gonna start in Acts chapter 16 and verse one. Here's what we read. It says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and increased in number daily. And if you pause there and give me your attention, there's three things we're gonna look at about how to really change, but three decisions we need to make. And the first is this, if you're a note taker, and that is that I'm gonna build meaningful relationships. Number one, first and foremost, Paul returns to Lystra in Derby. Now, if you weren't with us back in chapter 14, you might not remember what happened there. And that is that Paul and Barnabas, his former traveling companion, they got to Lystra and Derby, and the people there thought that Paul was a god. And so the, the, te- the people, the temple of Zeus, they came out, they were going to offer sacrifices to Paul, and they're like, no, I'm not a god. And then they kind of figured out like, oh, he's not really a god, he's just a man, which is what Paul had been saying the whole time. And then, as he does, they decide, oh, we don't want to worship you. Instead, we're really looking forward to murdering you, and, which is, by the way, kind of a big swing. But nonetheless, um, Paul gets out of there, and, uh, and you might think that happens. You're like, I'm never going back. I'm never going back to the city where they plan to murder me. But, that, but Paul does go back. Um, and Paul does go back, and this becomes such an important moment in Paul's life. And so Paul's relationship with this young guy named Timothy is one of my favorites in the entire Bible. Scholars estimate that Timothy is somewhere in the 14, 15, 16 years old uh, range at this time. His family probably came to know Jesus when Paul and Barnabas came to Lystra on their first trip sharing the gospel. Now a couple of years have passed. Paul returns and he wants Timothy to join them uh, on their gospel mission. But because Paul's Uh, I'm sorry, because Timothy's father is Greek, he decides that he's going to circumcise Timothy because he doesn't want any problems with the Jews in that region. Now let me explain that for a second and what the strategy is there. The way that Paul would go, um, kind of every time he would go into a city, he had a certain strategy that he would use, and that is that he would go into... into the city, he would find where the local synagogue was. He would preach the gospel, talk about Jesus from the Hebrew scriptures to the Jews that were there. Those that were interested would start following Paul, and then he would start preaching to the Gentiles that were there. And based on the two, then a church would begin to form. But because he doesn't want problems, knowing that Timothy was half Greek, he just says that he he, he makes sure that he's gonna circumcise Timothy to avoid that problem. Now That's not a problem for everybody else, but let's be honest, that's a problem for Timothy. Um, And by the way, I don't, there's some, there's some things that the Bible doesn't tell us. And there, this is one of those things, like, I just wish I had a transcription of how that conversation went down, uh, where Paul is talking to Timothy and he's like, Hey, Tim, you excited about joining us? I sure am, Paul. And uh, all right, we need to get ready. I need to go buy a knife. Oh, we going to Bass Pro? (laughs) Not exactly. But I need you to hold very still because I'm not actually a doctor. And uh, so maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. And so, but I want you to notice, number one, obviously, the level of trust that Timothy has with Paul, but also the lengths that they will go to so that the gospel isn't impeded. And this is really a mark of maturity. And that is, am I willing to curb a right that I feel I have for the sake of the gospel? Um, and, And so, and I'll give you an example of, Something that I do, and I'm not saying this is something everybody should do, but something that I do. I personally don't drink at all. um, And not because of a biblical command. The biblical command is not to get drunk. Um, But I've just decided not to drink at all because uh, one out of three people in this country is either an alcoholic or is adversely affected by one. That is they have a friend or a family member who struggles. And so that freedom to drink can cause people uh, to stumble if they see me. And i just tell you, every time my family goes out, we see someone from Calvary and and it's pretty much everywhere we go which is great and um, but I last week I was in Orlando on my way to Georgia I stop at the Starbucks at 6 o'clock in the morning and I walk in and I hear someone say Pastor Bob is that you yes it is and why are you up so early and uh, and so but you can just imagine, and I just, I, I just, it's like this horror thing that I have. This like, uh, I'm, I'm having dinner with my family, and someone who struggles with alcohol walks up to me as I'm slamming back a Dos Equis, and uh, like, I don't, what do you even say in that moment, you know? Stay thirsty, my friends. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't even, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, but it's just, it's weird. It's weird. That's the point. And so, uh, and, and once again, not that having a beer is wrong, but it's just, I, I just, I just don't want to stumble. I'd rather curb my freedom for the purpose of being able to teach people the Bible. And uh, that's the heart that the Apostle Paul has with Timothy. Oh, thanks, appreciate that. I'd say cheers, but we got nothing to drink with. So anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay, good, I don't know what's going on with me today, but I'm just, I feel good with you guys. I hope that's all right. So yeah, so. I don't know if it's this new service time that's just got you guys feeling good. I don't know, maybe it's just me. So, but here's what Paul says. This is at the heart of what Paul says here with Timothy. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Timothy is gonna become Paul's protege and most trusted confidant. Paul is going to mention Timothy 22 times in his letters, far and away more than anybody else that he's ever gonna reference by name. In fact, the next place that we'll see in our verses, uh, in our passages, he's gonna visit um, a city called Philippi. A church will get planted there, and then um, Paul will write a letter to that church called Philippians, and here's what he says in that letter. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. That I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And I want you to notice this. If you remember, if you were with us in our um, when Paul was on his first missionary journey, you know this that. It was Paul and Barnabas were together the whole time. And then when they were going to go out on their second journey, there was some conflict. Barnabas decided to do his own thing. And now God is bringing new relationships into Paul's life. And listen, maybe this is the case. Can I I just say that maybe last year was a year where you lost a significant relationship in your life? It may be extreme, like a marriage that ended, or maybe it's something like a friendship. Maybe it's a family member that went sideways, but maybe it's a friend or a group of friends that you didn't see eye to eye with. Listen, whatever it is, whatever you want God to do in 2024, meaningful relationships with people who love God are part of God's plan to see your life change. So... They pick up Timothy, and they keep going. Look at what happens. I love this part so much. It says this in verse 6. And when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia, and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city in that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside, where Prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the, wom- the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart and heeded the things spoken by Paul, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. If you pause there and give me your attention. Second thing, not only this year is going to be different, that I've got to build meaningful relationships. Number two, I'm going to discern God's vision. Now, I read a bunch of cities, and you're like, well, I I hope this is good. I don't know what's happening here. And, And I get it. It's hard to kind of see it without a map. But let me show you. Paul is starting from the east, right? He's come up from Antioch. He's gone to Lystra Derbe Iconium. This is where they picked up Timothy. Um, in Lystra, and then they make their way, we read that they made their way through Phrygia, that's this area, and then they're on their way to Mysia, right here. But it says this, remember, they're coming from the east, going west, they wanted to go to Bithynia, that's this area north, kind of on the coast of the Black Sea, and it says that the spirit said no. We don't exactly know how, but somehow um, they were, it was communicated that they couldn't go. But then they said, we wanted to go into Asia, that is what's called Asia Minor. Now, if these names sound familiar, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Smyrna, Philadelphia, Ephesus, and Laodicea, those should sound familiar because those are the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. So, but they wanted to go south into Asia, what's called Asia Minor, and the Spirit says no. So if you, can, if you can't go back east, because that's where you came from, you can't go north and you can't go south, there's really only one way to go. And then I love it just says so then we discerned that the Lord wanted us to go west. And uh, it's like, it's all there's left, buddy. And so that's where they went. So they end up going through Mysia and they end up in Troas. When they get to the city of Troas, Paul gets a vision. And in the vision, um, there's a man from Macedonia that says, come help us. Now, uh, So let me, let me kind of stop there for a second, and this is important. This is such an important thing when it comes to your walk with God. Because just, because just because you have a call from God on your life or a promise of God on your life, it doesn't mean that every detail is going to be clear. And I hear people say this and they'll be like, well, if God is leading you, you aren't going to make any mistakes. You're just going to do what God tells you to do. That sounds very spiritual. Unfortunately, God isn't going to tell you everything to do. God isn't going to uh, tell you exactly what to do in every situation. You guys are going to go out to lunch after this. God's not going to tell you what to order off the menu. Some of you are going to order a triple cheeseburger, and then you're going to be like, Lord, bless this food. And he's going to be like, I'm not involved in this situation. <laughs> All right? And so, so you find yourself, <laughs> or maybe that's just me. But anyway, um, but here's the thing. And so, but what, so what do you do in the moments when God doesn't tell you exactly what to do? This is what the Bible tells us over and over and over again. Get wisdom. Right? In in, in Proverbs chapter 4, it says, even if it costs you everything that you have, get wisdom, get understanding. Because God wants us to be people of wisdom and substance. And and when we, we become people of wisdom and substance, we get that from listening to God. We get wisdom. And guess what? We even make some mistakes. And let me tell you something. And this is, this is really huge. I, I talk to people about this all the time. I, this is the thing that I have these conversations with the pastors a lot, is that sometimes pastors will, will talk to me and they'll say, Bob, I had this idea, I wanted to do this thing. This is the vision that God gave me, and then I tried to do it and it didn't work out. And it's like, did God even talk to me at all? And I say, well, maybe God did. But just because you have the right vision doesn't mean you have the right strategy. And this is the thing that's important to discern, that just because it's like this is the goal, this is the thing God wants me to do, That doesn't mean that the first time you go about doing it, you're going to do it right. So we got to try it. And and if it doesn't work out and you're still convinced, no, God has told me to do this. You got to try something different because there is really something amazing about what happens when we make mistakes, that there is something about making mistakes that brings an experience, if we will evaluate it, that nothing else can. And it's just the truth and that you will learn some lessons, making mistakes that you can't learn anywhere else. Um, when my wife and I were first married, so this is our very first July 4th, so next month we're going uh, to be celebrating 27 years being married. And, uh, oh, thank you. Appreciate that. I see her. She's very appreciative. And, uh, and so anyway, so we invited a bunch of people over to our house for, uh, for a barbecue. And so someone had given us this grill that they were going to throw out. And uh, this is always nice. Hey, I'm going to throw this out. Would you rather have it? Uh, and so it's basically garbage to me either way. And, uh, but I had never owned a grill before. And my parents um, didn't, we only cooked on a grill once a year. And so we borrowed the grill. And so we cooked on it once a year. My parents would throw this huge 4th of July party every year. And um, all these people, all my parents' friends would show up. I didn't even know my parents had friends. And uh, I didn't think they believed in that. But they, and sure enough, all these people would show up, and we would cook burgers and dogs um, on, this, on this charcoal grill um, ev- every year. And that was the only time. By the way, up until I was a teenager, and this I'm sad to admit this, but my parents only bought burger buns and hot dog buns on 4th of July for this party. I didn't go to supermarkets, so it's like I, I didn't know. And I just thought, I just made this assumption that they don't sell burger buns and hot dog buns except on the 4th of July holiday. This was like a special thing that they do, like when they bring out fireworks. It's like it's fireworks and then burger, burger buns and whatever. And so anyway, because at my house for the rest of the year, white bread was all bread. So it's like white bread was a hot dog bun, white bread was a burger bun, white bread was a garlic roll, White bread was a sub. White bread was everything, and it was also white bread. And so anyway, then one night when I was in the eighth grade, I had dinner at Frank Mullins' house. And Frank Mullins' mom, who's here referred to as Mrs. Mullins, Mrs. Mullins served hot dogs for dinner, which by the way, blew my mind. I didn't even know you could do that. You don't understand the rice and beans culture that I came from. My mom once served rice, beans, and lasagna. I mean, this is just the level that we were operating at, all right, at my house. So we go in there, and you know, it's so quiet at at the Mullins when they're having dinner. So I just decide start making conversation, and so I <laughs> I say, uh, Mrs. Mullins, uh, this this is really wonderful. Um, how are you able to obtain um, <laughs> hot dog buns so many months after? the 4th of July holiday weekend. And then I looked over at Mr. Mullins who had been pretty quiet this whole dinner and he's just like. And he says to his son, he's like, Frank, who is this moron that you brought into our house? And then, and he leans over to me and he's like, dude, they sell hot dog and burger, but they sell that all the time. It's like, and I'm like, for real? And uh, this is is like, I'm having a revelation in this dinner situation, and I am then, I'm so mortified. And I just, I was like, I, I'm so sorry, um, I'm Cuban. And that, that's the only thing I could come up with at the time to, so anyway, so back to the grill that I was given. So Carrie and I, are, we're married, our first, our first 4th of July barbecue. We, uh, um, now, like I said, I'd never used a propane grill before. I bought, um, so, and I had bought charcoal. And so I put the charcoal in, I didn't realize it was pre-lit, I didn't know what that was. Um, And so, but then I decided to buy a bottle of lighter fluid, which I proceeded to empty on the pre-lit charcoal inside my propane tank. And so then, so I'm, and by the way, we live in a one bedroom apartment. This apartment was so small, you could stand in the shower and stir your sauce in the kitchen without stretching too hard, okay? This is what we're dealing with. So I'm on a covered patio, and there's people living in all directions around us. So anyway, so I get that, and then I'm, I'm kind of fiddling out there. My wife's like, Bob, just turn the propane on. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, that's right, it's propane. So I turn the propane on all the way. I start fiddling with the stuff. And then um, I have a matchbook. And so I light the matchbook. And um, I didn't even get two feet from this grill, which was everything is on. I mean, this thing is like ready to blow. And so I light it. I get about two feet over it. And I mean, it was a fire of biblical proportions. Right. This is. Like, I'm telling you. This is like. This was like Old Testament stuff happening in my backyard. And uh, and so, and the fire comes out so fast, it literally singes all of the hair of my arm off. Which I'm surprised. That's all it did. But um, then, uh, <laughs> my wife comes out because I started screaming when it happened, um, in the most manly way possible. <laughs> by the way, just. I want you guys to know that. So anyway, so I scream as I see this fire. I, I just think I'm going to get engulfed in flames. And so anyway, then, <laughs> and she comes out and she's like, what is that horrible smell? And, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's medium rare hair. And um, which everything I cooked that day t- tasted like the smell of burning hair. And uh, which just adds a little flavor, if we're being honest. And so now, now let me just say this. Uh, Let me fast forward. I am an expert griller today. I I mean, I'm probably, I mean, I'm I'm at, anyway, I could probably write a book on grilling, right? At least my kids think I'm the greatest griller of all time. And they know that because I've told them that. And so, but now, but here's, I'm telling you what I learned about fire that day you just couldn't read you can you don't watch a youtube video and have that level of expertise it's like oh i just i read this little article about no 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 i read about now i know everything about when it comes to grilling and and this and this is my this is my point right it's that there is a process to discerning what god wants you to do and it brings a wisdom And sometimes you make mistakes, and that mistake takes you to the next decision because you gain some experience here, and it just propels you forward. And the closer you just say all of these things are drawing you closer to God, and the closer you are to him, the more you're going to be able to hear his voice. Okay, back to our story. So they get to Troas. If I can have my map again. Sorry, guys. Uh, Oh, you guys are ready for me. Okay, so they're at Troas. Now, this is all um, modern-day Turkey. So, But they're at Troas, and it says that they get this vision from a man in Macedonia. And so then they take a boat. They get to this uh, island called Samothrace. Then they get to Neapolis, which is the port city. And then they make their way to Philippi. Now, and that's the important thing. Philippi was the largest city, uh, one of the largest Roman cities in this region. And the church that gets planted in Philippi becomes the first church that's planted in what we will later call Europe. Now, the question then becomes, why was it that when Paul gets to Philippi, he doesn't go into the synagogue. Instead, he just finds these women that are praying by this riverbank. Why is that? Because it's Jewish custom that you need 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue. In fact, that's actually true to this day. If you ever go to a synagogue service, they will not start the service until there are 10 Jewish men in attendance. Now, There wasn't a synagogue in Philippi because there wasn't 10 Jewish men, just some faithful women who were praying uh, by the the river. Now, I want you to notice something. That the further that Paul gets away from the area of Israel, the more and more secular the culture gets um, with, with each visit. And we'll see this more in our study next time. But if you're Paul, and I want you to think about this, you're Paul... You finally get to Macedonia. What are you expecting to see? You're expecting to see the man from the vision. Instead, he finds a few women praying. And I don't know if he's like, Lord, what, this doesn't make any sense. Why have we not seen the, guy from, the, the, the man from Macedonia yet? And this is gonna be the thing that saves him later. Look what happens in verse 16. It says this, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, "These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation." And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her." And he came out at uh, that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs that are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep it securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, third thing that we're going to talk about, if we're going to change this year, is that I need to thrive during difficulties. This is absolutely vital. Now, once again... Let's go back to Paul. Paul is thinking, where is the guy from the vision? He gets to Philippi and all he finds is a group of women praying. Then he's out there preaching the gospel and there's this demon-possessed girl who's mimicking everything that Paul says and then Paul is so annoyed, which is kind of a tough translation, it really means disturbed or provoked, um, that he just, he casts out this, uh, this demon. And by the way, there's something important here. There's a contrast. In, uh, in Luke's writing here because, and this, by the way, Luke does this a lot in the gospel of Luke. You see him do this in the book of Acts as well, is that he does these subtle contrasts. He put, kind of puts two people together for you to see the differences. The first thing that he does is they get to Philippi and the first person we meet is this strong, godly, successful businesswoman named Lydia who comes to know Jesus. And then we have this nameless woman possessed by a spirit of divination making profit for her ungodly masters. And by the way, the word divination is a, uh, it's this Greek word python because Pythias was the priestess of the Greek god Apollo. And the priestess was said to have the spirit of Apollo in her. And so some people uh, believed that her oracles This girl's oracles were so valuable because of her connection to Apollo. So by the way, what's the subtle subtle message that that Luke is giving us in the story? You've got this very successful woman who comes to know Jesus and this other person who's just um, possessed and whatnot. What is he saying? He's saying that life with Jesus is better. Even if everything isn't perfect, life with Jesus is better. And so Paul then casts out the Spirit and the people who were profiting from her, most likely the priests in the temple of Apollo, Um, are very upset, and that lands Paul in jail, which most scholars believe is why it took so long for Paul to heal her is because of the anti-Jewish sentiment in the Roman Empire and that he didn't want to call undue attention to his ministry early on. But not only are they arrested, they're beaten and then put in the tightest security that the prison offered. And the way Roman prisons worked, I won't bore you with the Latin names, but it's basically three levels, essentially like minimum security, medium security, maximum security. The inner prison, which is where Paul was kept, was maximum security. So I want you to think about this. You're Paul. Now you're in maximum security in a prison in Philippi. And the only reason you're here is because God gave you a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come help us. And so you obey God, and this happens, and you haven't met the guy. You've met this very nice woman who came to know Jesus. That's cool. You met this demon-possessed person that was mimicking everything you were saying. You cast out the demon. She was doing okay, but then these other people are upset. Now you're in prison, possibly going to be executed the next day, and, and you're like, what in the world is happening? How do you respond to that? Well, the thing that is amazing to me is the way that Paul responds is just incredible. Look at what it says in verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in the house and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set foot before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now, if you pause there, I mean, uh, Paul and Silas are praying and singing. Are you serious? How is that even possible? I mean, these guys could have been sentenced to death in the morning. How are you singing? Here's why. Because the vision hadn't been fulfilled yet. God gave Paul a vision of a man in Macedonia that says, come help us. And because that vision had not been fulfilled, Paul had confidence in the prison saying, my life isn't over yet because God still has something in the future for me to do. He still hadn't met the man from Macedonia, who by the way, I submit to you could very well be this Philippian jailer. But this jailer is about to kill himself because he sees the doors of the prison open. And if you're aware, uh, according to Roman law, if you were a Roman guard or a keeper of a prison and you lost a prisoner, you got their sentence. So the jailer is so moved that everyone still is in the, in the prison that he says, hey, what must I do to be saved? They share the message of salvation with him and that he responds, not only will he be saved, but his whole family's going to respond as well. Now, let me just say this verse has been misused over the years to give people a promise. If you come to Jesus, everyone in your family is going to come to Jesus. That's the hope that we all have, and that's the thing that we're working towards. But it's not a carte blanche promise for everyone. It was a prophecy for this jailer, and we see that happen in the verses that followed. Now, having said that, let me say this. Uh, LifeWay Research Group did a study back in 2016, so it's a few years old, And here's what they found, that if a young man grows up in a house without a dad in the home, there is a 2% chance that he'll become a Christian. If he grows up in a home where dad attends church sometimes, there is a 50% chance that he'll become a Christian. If dad is a regular church attender, there's a more than 75% chance that that young man will become a Christian. And if you didn't think dads matter, let me give you another mind-blowing stat. I want you to imagine a family where the first person to come to faith, the first person to become a Christian is the child. And um, there is a 3.5% probability that everyone else in the house will follow and become a Christian. If mom is the first person to become a Christian, there is a 17% chance uh, probability that everyone else in the household will follow and become a Christian. When dad is first, to become a Christian, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow and become a Christian. Now, dad, you matter more than you realize. Our culture has done everything that they can to call being a man toxic, but you're not. You matter. The problem is, is that A toxic culture has no way to understand what a healthy, strong, godly man looks like. So they do everything they can to destroy it. And listen, we need men to be men more than ever because your sons need you. Yeah. Your sons need you. Your daughters need you. Your wife needs you. Your church needs you. And guess what? Other dads need you too. So that we don't all think we're crazy. We just live in a world that is so mixed up that it calls evil good and good evil, and that's not right. Now, now, how does this story end? This is Paul leveling up to uh, just. Uh, Paul is so amazing. Look what happens next. Um, he he says this. It says, "And when it was day." The magistrates sent the officers, um, saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison reported those things to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent you to let you go. Therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul says, you have beat us openly. Uncondemned Romans have thrown us into prison, and now you want to put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come out themselves and get us out. It's like, I'm not leaving the prison. No, 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 you're going to come here. We're going to square this up. Oh, this is so good. Look what happens next, verse 38. And the officers told the words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart the city. So then they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Listen, Paul, man, I love this guy so much. They throw him into prison, and when they... Go to. They're like, hey, if you just don't mind, just leaving. He's like, oh no, I'm not leaving. Did I forget to mention I was a Roman citizen? Did that slip my mind, tough guy? And uh, and and so now, Paul and by the way, Paul and Silas are both Roman citizens, and they could have at any time said these three words: "Civis Romanus sum." I am a Roman citizen, and um, and been freed because uh, non citizens of Rome, non citizens of Rome could be jailed, interrogated, or even tortured without a trial. Roman citizens were given protection from these things and none of that could happen without a trial or conviction happening. So if Paul or Silas were to issue a complaint to Rome over their their imprisonment and beating without proper cause and due process as Roman citizens, somebody is going to jail. And so Now, by the way, the next city, and we'll talk about this next time, the next city that Paul and Silas will visit is a city called Thessalonica. They will establish a church there. And then Paul will write them a letter talking about the circumstances of when he first visited. Here's what he says. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. So what does it mean? What does this mean for all of us as we walk into a new year and there's things that we want to do and there's things we want to change and there's, there's people that we want to become. What, there's three things that I want to tell you as we close. Number one, make a decision to be intentional. Make a decision to be intentional. How do we keep from falling back into old habits and patterns that we want to move away from? you got to do what Paul did. Paul was focused on who he was becoming and he let that drive what he was doing. In Philippians... He's leaving Philippi. This is the letter he writes to them later. Philippians 3, he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Listen, God is way more concerned with who you're becoming because when who you're becoming changes, actions become much easier to change. Second thing, Make a decision not just to be intentional, make a decision to be responsible. Some of us want to get rid of bad habits, addictions, destructive emotions, whatever it is. The first thing that has to happen is you have to own it. You have to own it and stop dismissing the behavior as acceptable or making excuses for it. Now here's what happens sometimes. Is sometimes we, we excuse the behavior by saying, no, 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 this is normal. This is what everybody does. No, it's not normal. And it's not acceptable. And listen, we will not change until we are desperate to change. Third, third and lastly, make a decision to be humble. Do you know why we need humility? Because humble people are the only people who grow. And here's how, a simple way to know if someone is humble or not. Ask yourself this question. Is this person curious? Am I curious? Because curious people want to learn, so they just keep asking questions. They, keep, they want to grow. Proud people don't ask questions because they already know everything. Paul, ne- listen, and I think an argument could be made that whatever room Paul walked into, he was the smartest guy in the room. But he never acted as if he was the smartest guy in the room. He pictures himself as a guy who was still learning and growing. Paul says this, the next verse in Philippians, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have already taken hold of it but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. See, one of the things that we do sometimes is that we take what we used to be and we make that our identity. I used to struggle with that. That used to be my thing. That was the sin that was always just eating my lunch. That was the thing. And so now that becomes our identity. And you know what we do? We're like, I don't know if you've ever, if you've been out of high school long enough to run into someone that from years ago that you went to high school with and they're still doing the same things that they did in high school. I graduated in, in high school in, in 1991. All right, fine, it was 1992, but that's not really the point. Um, and so, but I ran into a guy that I went to high school with more than 30 years ago, and this guy hadn't changed at all. This guy was knocking on the door of 50 years old when I saw him, and he was still talking about starting a band. And, 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 and I mean, the guy still had long hair. I mean. He had no hair on the top of his head, but it was like super long on the side. It was like an extreme mullet that he had wrong. And, and, and guess what? I mean, and this, and the guy, like, dude, you just got to let go of the past. I mean, your hair has already let go. Let the rest of you follow suit. And so, but this guy, here's what he had done. He had turned high school into an identity. And can I tell you something that that's what we do with our past is that we turn our past into our identity. I'm telling you this, um, if you if you do that, if you take who you used to be and turn that into your identity, it will destroy your future. That isn't who you are. That's who you used to be. And so God has forgiven it. Jesus died for it. There's a break. And now is the, is the day that things begin to change. And listen, whatever the mistake is, whatever the sin is, whatever the addiction was, whatever that destructive emotion that you leaned into, listen, it's who you used to be. And if you really believe that Jesus transforms people, then obsess over this, not who you used to be, obsess over the person that Jesus wants to transform you into. And that's what's gonna change everything. Let's pray together. And Lord, we wanna thank you for that, that you are still in the business of transforming lives. We thank you for that. We're trusting you that you're gonna change us from the inside out. And we pray that today would be the day that some of us commit We trust you, we own it, we're intentional. And we have the humility to realize that we don't know everything yet. And so God, we're listening, we're open. We wanna be curious as to everything you have for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.